uh, welcome. So we'll, so we'll begin now. We warm welcome to all our fellows, members, friends, and guests. Thank you for joining us for the third Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi Society's online event of 2023. My name is Chris Ramlan, and I'm co-hosting today with David Hornsby and Martin Notcutt. It now gives us great pleasure to welcome Dr. Gregory Vandam, and many of you will recognize him from his insightful talks at past Ibn Arabi-related events. And so we're so happy that Gregory can make it today. Warm welcome to you, Gregory. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I'm really happy to, to be back uh, with you all and really happy to, to see some familiar faces. Thank you. And first, I would like to start by congratulating Gregory on his recent achievement. Earlier this year, he successfully defended um, a doctoral dissertation at UCL Louvain, uh, earning his PhD in with the dissertation titled Hira, the Perplexity in Ibn Arabi's Work, Epistemology, Metaphysics, Quranic Hermeneutics. Is indeed a deep dive into the worlds of Ibn Arabi. Actually, this is my translation from the original French title, and I hope I've done it justice, Gregory. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Thank you. So we're eagerly awaiting its publication and um, all the best with the process. And Gregory has been actively engaged in various scholarly activities, including lecturing, research, and writing. Uh, notably, he's, he's lect he has lectured on Islamic studies at Seance Po in Paris. And currently, Gregory is embarking on a research project. This is very exciting. It's funded by FNRS, which is the National Fund for the Scientific Research in Belgium. The project titled Ibn Arabi and the Governance of Caliphate Theology and Politics in Akbari, Akbari Thought. It aims to examine Ibn Arabi's political views and his commentators' interpretation of the caliphate's leadership and world governance. So, Gregory, we again, we are eagerly anticipating welcoming you back in the near future to learn about this uh, research, the relationship between spirituality and politics within the Akbari tradition. So, and, and on top of that, in addition to that, uh, Gregory has published numerous, numerous articles. His latest contributions is a chapter titled Some Notes on Ibn Arabi's Correlative Prophetology. Uh, it is an honorific volume for Professor Chitix and Professor Murata, edited by Muhammad Rustam. Um, and at end, forthcoming, he's also co-editing, um, an issue, um, for the really geographic journal scheduled for May 2024. The title of this issue is Reviving Mohidin, the Contemporary Uses of Ibn, Arabi, uh, Ibn Arabi's Thought and Reinventions of Islam. So we look forward to reading this again. So now with this short introduction, it's time to delve into the heart of our session today. So Gregory, we're eager to learn from your insights. The floor is yours. Thank you very much, Chris, and thank you, everyone, for for your warm welcome. Um, really, really happy, as I said, to to be here with you. Really happy about the really uh, joyful news that I I just received that funding from the FNRS. Uh, I just heard, learned the news uh, three days ago, actually. So I'm here celebrating with you all. So I I wanted to to present my recent research on uh, the Kitab al Ajwiba 
Al Arabiya, uh, which is an understudied text of, of Ibn Arabi. Um, and uh, it's work that I, I first uh, did for uh, an upcoming volume uh, in honor of uh, the late Michel Chotkevitz. So a French article that I also uh, presented for the Institute of Ismaili Studies uh, last year. And now I'm, I'm happy to share a, a new version uh, of the research uh, with you all. So I, I'd like to, yeah, to, to, to present you my, uh, my, my study of the, of the work and the notion that I think very, uh, very important actually in Ibn Arabi's conception of uh, spiritual education, the notion of imaginary master, uh, al-Sheikh al-Mutawaham, that, uh, that I found a very illuminating uh, doctrine in, uh, in Ibn Arabi's view on spiritual education. Uh, so we know Ibn Arabi is uh, al-Sheikh al-Akbar, the greatest master, but we don't know um, so many things about his practical teachings. What I mean by that is that uh, we know uh, Ibn Arabi as a metaphysician, as a, a Quranic interpret, etc., as a, uh, a spiritual master in the theoretical uh, sense. But we don't know um, a lot about his practical teaching as a spiritual guide, as a spiritual uh, master for uh, his, his disciples. So we, it's important, I think, to to try to understand how he, he approaches the, the master-disciple relationship and how uh, the uh, overall Sufi education um, yeah, ju just uh, articulates with the other metaphysical uh, doctrines and um, Quranic doctrines that, that he presents uh, elsewhere. We know that he is also a very important synthesizer or... Uh, as I put it here, uh, incubator of classical Sufi doctrines. That is that Ibn Arabi takes a lot from the ancient and the, the early Sufis uh, and just bring another dimension to a lot of classical Sufi doctrines. So I think it's also very uh, important to, to see uh, what work uh, he, he has done on the core spiritual education notions, on the core uh, the, the core elements of the Sufi uh, education and the uh, master-disciple relationship. We have actually very few uh, doctrinal treatises on the on the subject in this uh, yeah in in this bibliography. Uh, some are very well known as the Kitab Kun Mala Buddal Al Murid, Al Kitab Al Amr Al Muhkam, also the the chapters fifty three. And uh, 181 uh, of the Futuhat, and uh, the uh, famously the last chapter of the Kitab at uh, Tadbirat. So we have already a lot of um, uh, some elements, but it's um, yeah, it, it's it's very there are very few uh, as compared with other uh, treatises, as compared with other topics, and another. Uh, Another treatise that is the Kitab Al-Ajub Al-Arabiya uh, is really worth studying as we will see because it's a very peculiar work and it presents very interesting elements on the, on the matter. So what I want to do with you today is first to present uh, that, that treatise, uh, to present the, the, the book in itself and to present its particularity uh, and then to 
to uh, yeah to present you the the results of my of my work on the on the treaties with two aspects. The first is the overall uh, presentation of the master in God, the master in divinis, as we will see. And the second one that's in the title of the presentation, the notion of imaginary master, that's related directly to to that approach of the master in God, uh, and that is, as we will see, is the whole uh, yeah the, the whole thread uh, of the the Kitab al Ajriba al Arabiya. So um, the Kitab al Ajriba. Uh, has, has been recently uh, edited by Maurizio Marconi. Uh, it has been published in uh, El Azul Fre Rojo in uh, 2020. Uh, it's the first real critical uh, edition, real good edition, uh, accompanied by a Italian translation with very useful uh, notes. But there was uh, already a, a, another edition uh, from Beirut, but of, of lesser uh, quality. So I, I, I use uh, for, for that study the, the critical edition of, of Marconi. The book is mentioned in the Fihris, uh, but with a di different title, Al-Kitab Kitab, Al-Ajwira Al-Arabiya Min Al-Masail Al-Yusufiya. Uh, it's also uh, mentioned in Qunawi's uh, study list as Kitab Al-Isharat Al-Arabiya Fishar Al-Nasaih Al-Yusufiya. But here I follow the choice of Marconi, which is based on the oldest uh, manuscript from, from Bursa, which is Kitab Al-Ajwiba Al-Arabiya Fishar Al-Nasaih Al-Yusufiya. And we will see now that the title itself is actually very, uh, very important to, to measure the, the, the content and the approach uh, of the book. The second part of the title, Shah Al-Nasaih Al-Yusufiya, means the commentary on uh, the, the advices uh, coming from, from Yusuf, uh, just explain the content, the actual content of the book, which is uh, a book of commentaries by Ibn Arabi on the spiritual advices received by uh, Zainuddin Yusuf Ibn Ibrahim, a uh, uh, Sufi and scholar uh, from, uh, from Damascus, from his master, Ali al-Kurdi of Damascus, which is a, a majnoob, as, as we say, which is a, um, I don't know the actual English translation, but someone who is uh, crazy in God, who has lost, uh, you know, is uh, enraptured in the divine presence and is co considered uh, alienated or crazy by other people, but who is actually illuminated by God. And he's a, a famous uh, figure of Damascus who has been, described in various uh, Sufi, Sufi works. But that's the, the first part of the title. It's actually the, the most uh, interesting because the Kitab al-Ajuba al-Arabiya means the, the, the book of the answers or of the Arabic uh, answers. But actually, it's, we should understand it as the book of the answers of Ibn Arabi. Uh, the Arabiya here uh, alludes to the origin, to the nature of the, the, the answers. And that's why we have also two uh, manuscripts uh, with uh, different titles, we, we, which is Kitab al-Isharat al-Maghribiya, coming from the, the, the answers coming from the Maghrib uh, to the, to the, uh, yeah, to the spiritual allusions, to the spiritual advices of, of Yusuf. So the Yusufia is the content 
and the Arabia, it's the commentary of Ibn Arabi himself. So it's his own uh, take, his own interpretation, explanation, as we will see, to what Yusuf has to present. So it, it shows us that uh, here we have really Ibn Arabi's uh, view on, on the matter. So it is a, a rather long text. Uh, as I put the example here, the, the oldest manuscript is approximately two times two times the the length of the the fusus. And what we have uh, in in that uh, and in in that text is a detailed expression of Ibn Arabi's conception of the master disciple relationship, but in a very uh, unstructured and uh, kind of chaotic form. That's uh, why it's also a, a difficult text to approach. We have also very important informations on historical masters and figures that are quoted or met by Ibn Arabi uh, and that are sometimes absent from the Futuhat or, or from the Ruh al-Quds, for example. We have uh, numerous details and anecdotes that bring into light the practical and pedagogical implications of his doctrines. So the, the notions of, of sainthood, of prophethood, the, the, the rules of Quranic hermeneutics, the notion of Mohammedan reality, etc., are, are all um, used, quoted, uh, and explained in the practical uh, issue of spiritual education and the relation between the, the disciple and his, his master in the Sufi way. So the book has uh, a very important uh, thing to offer. It's the practical uh, expression, practical dimension of the metaphysical doctrines of Ibn Arabi. It is uh, an expression of uh, Ibn Arabi's doctrines and Ibn Arabi's uh, theosophy or philosophy as a way of life rather than a simple discourse. Uh, if we, I hear, um, allude to uh, Pierre Hadot's theory on what is philosophy. It's both a discourse and a way of life, and not only a theory, but also a practical um, engagement in uh, in life, in society. And here we have a, a very good and long example of the, uh, the philosophy of Ibn Arabi as a way of life, actually. But as I said, there is no apparent structure. Uh, it's uh, ongoing comments on the sentences that are brought by Yusuf, and it's very, uh, it's a, uh, it's one of the less systematic texts of Ibn Arabi that I had to, to, to read so far. Uh, and, and it's far less systematic than, for example, the Kitab al Amr al Muhkam on, on, on the matter. And it, it's a, it's a difficult text to, to approach, to, to be honest. So how did I, um, study it and what, what will I, uh, present here? It's only the answers of Ibn Arabi. I don't. I will not uh, quote and explain the the, the questions uh, of Yusuf uh, or the sentences brought by Yusuf himself, because uh, I consider that they are just pretexts for Ibn Arabi's own discourse and Ibn Arabi's own presentation of uh, his take on the matter. And even sometimes uh, he, he even criticizes. Uh, either Yusuf's understanding or even uh, Ali al-Kurdi, the, the famous master uh, spiritual station, for example, he says that that's a very uh, a very limited take on the matter, etc. And then he will he, will, he would uh, uh, expand on the on the question. So I 
only uh, focus on Ibn Arabi's answers, and I gather all the different passages that are related to the same topic. And here, as I said, I I will uh, focus on some general principles that are the, what I call the indivinis uh, perspective on, on spiritual education and the particular notion of imaginary master. So let's look at how Ibn Arabi himself presents the book. Uh, so the, the book is the answer, the answers of Ibn Arabi to the, the, the sentences that Yusuf brought to him. We can see a very enigmatic presentation of the book at the, the very beginning. This is how Ibn Arabi presents it. This is the commentary on what has said the spiritual reality of the alienated servant whose heart is in love, Ali al-Kurdi, through the tongue of he who knew what was peculiar to him and who therefore relied on him, Yusuf ibn Ibrahim al-Shafi'i, who shared his lineage and with whom he maintained the link. The matter is Levantine, Damascene, and he did not trespass it, but restored it as he received it. It is between tasting and projection. There is no writing and no encounter. This is how mentioned it to me, he who expressed it by his tongue. So we see that we, what we understand, Yusuf is talking, is presenting to Ibn Arabi something that he received from his uh, alienated and madly in love master, Ali al-Kurdi, without en encountering him, actually, uh, and without writing him down uh, something. It's just something that was inspired by uh, that master. So we, as we can see, the notion of imaginary master is already present in the very um, yeah, the, in the very presentation of the book, not, not uh, expressed clearly here, but it is expressed uh, elsewhere. Because Ibn Arabi further defines the content of the Nasai al-Yusufiyah, uh, the, the, the advices of, uh, of Yusuf as the discourse of the imaginary Ali, uh, Ali al-Mutawahham, to Yusuf al-Mutahaqqif. Yusuf who realizes uh, the, the, the informations coming from his master Ali. So the content is uh, Yusufi, uh, it's, uh, it's Nasaih al-Yusufiya, as the title presents it. But the, 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 all the sayings that Ibn Arabi, is, uh, Ibn Arabi is commenting upon are to be attributed both to Yusuf and Ali. It is a mixed uh, mixed origin uh, content. As Ibn Arabi puts it, know first that everything that appears through the tongue of that Yusuf, advice or knowledge from what he knows, comes from him to other than him, even though the one from which the saying comes is his master, Ali al-Kurdi. As for what appears through his tongue from what he does not know, that is the tongue of Ali concerning Yusuf, his student. So, it is sometimes one and sometimes the other. That is what implies the wisdom placed in these pages. And Ibarbi uh, continues, if Ali knows this, if he knows what the imaginary master has projected in him, then the support comes from Ali. But if he does not know this precisely, 
Then it comes from the sincere trust of Yusuf in Ali. It is that sincere trust that makes, that makes the form of this master emerge in his imagination. If Ali knows this, the enthusiasm, the himma, uh, here I, I use uh, the, the word, the classical word enthusiasm in its proper sense, meaning the spiritual energy that's, uh, that is animating uh, Ali, that's animating the, the, the master coming from God, and that is transmitted to, the, to his disciple. So if Ali knows this, the enthusiasm of Ali is what made his image emerge in the imagination of Yusuf. So, since Yusuf told me, for everything that we have mentioned, the Master Ali did not converse with me through the tongue in my external aspect, I knew that all of this came from the image of the Master created by the enthusiasm of Ali, if he was aware of it, or by the sincere trust of Yusuf, if Ali was not aware of it. So we see that here we have something very strange, very confusing uh, at some uh, yeah, at some points, and we understand uh, maybe the the, the historical con- context of of the book. That is, Yusuf has something very confusing spiritually and and intellectually. Uh, he has inspiration from his master. But uh, he doesn't know if it comes from him or if, if it comes really from, from the master. And he, he asks something to, to Ibn Arabi. He, he asks Ibn Arabi for advices. Uh, so I find this very, very interesting because we see here uh, Ibn Arabi acting practically as Sheikh Al-Akbar. He is a Sheikh considering uh, someone about his, uh, about, uh, his, uh, his Sheikh. And we see that awareness and self-consciousness are the key to identify uh, the nature of the sayings uh, that come from the disciple, from uh, from Yusuf, from the the master, from Ali, or uh, from an imaginary master that is the image of Ali in Yusuf, etc. So we see that there is an intricacy between the two that is the the, the source of the book and uh, that is clearly uh, the condition for Yusuf to come to, to Ibn Arabi and ask him his advice, ask for his advice about the, those sentences. So, what will uh, Ibn Arabi provide to Yusuf? It's answers to his question, it's explanations on uh, every sentence from his own perspective, that is, uh, as we will see, the indivinis, uh, the perspective in God, that is, that uh, the classical. Uh, view and point of view of Ibn Arabi, as he, he, he tells himself in the in the book. When we talk about this kind of things and other, we talk with God Almighty and Majestic, who makes everything talk. We therefore talk with Him, but also by Him and not by us. He is the one who, from me, talks, and from you hears by the property of the two forms of, of you and me, and not by himself. So that very radical uh, perspective of, uh, in Divinis perspective, placing uh, the, the point of view, placing the, 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 the content, the hearing, the sayings that are in God, that is uh, the, the perspective that Ibn Arabi is adopting to answer the questions of Yusuf and to answer the, that problematic relationship between 
the, the uh, between the the imaginary uh, Ali uh, in Yusuf, Yusuf and the real Ali. So let's look a little bit about uh, 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 that that master in God perspective, that in divinist perspective. It should be related to a very famous saying of Ibn Arabi from the Futuhat. It is through God that we know the masters and not through the masters that we know God. And actually, uh, uh, elsewhere in the Futuhat, uh, Ibn Arabi, even if I remember well, uh, say that in in the form of a, of a dua, of a, of a prayer. Uh, oh God, make us among those who, who know uh, or know you through the master and know, uh, uh, and, uh, who know the master through you and not the master, not you through the masters. So here, clearly, uh, in the Kitab al-Ajwiba, Ibn Arabi considers the master in general to be the messenger of the real, of, of God, that is sent to everyone. And, uh, a master, a spiritual master is a messenger from God. And every master should be approached as a modality of revelation in itself. That is the perspective taken by Ibn Arabi. Here he, he explains that. The function called master in this way, its part comes from the heritage of prophethood, from direction and from the descent of revelation. The function of master is thus in the position of the messenger regarding direction and the function of the doctor among the scholars of natural sciences. The doctor does not reach the ultimate knowledge of nature. He only knows from it what directs the, the body of the animal or the human. And that is inferior to the knowledge of nature. If his knowledge exceeds this, then he surpasses the other doctors, but not through something that is linked to medicine. So we see here that the practical function of the master must be distinguished from his knowledge, but also from his spiritual station or even his spiritual state. Uh, that's why uh, here's someone that is alienated or madly in love and uh, considered as uh, yeah, uh, uh, crazy by some can be actually considered as a proper spiritual master. And Ibn Arabi goes even further, and that is a very, uh, very interesting uh, part of the book that uh, will be the object of a, a second paper I'm preparing on, on the book. Ibn Arabi goes as far as to declare that even a fraud master, uh, even an imposter, is actually a real master if you consider him to be so. Because Everything uh, starts from the sincerity uh, of the disciple. And if, if uh, a disciple is sincere enough, and if he approaches things in God, in divinis, that is, that he know the master uh, through God and not the, the other way around, then even a fraud master will be very useful for him. And uh, Ibn Arabi says, he will turn the fraud master into a real master for him. And he will even give real spiritual knowledge to that, uh, to that fraud master. A very, very fascinating passage uh, of the book. The other important aspect is that there is actually only one master. That is the Muhammadan reality. It is the universal mediation. Uh, so 
as uh, every master is a messenger of God, every master is actually a messenger of the messenger that is the Mohammedan reality. Here is a, a clear passage about that. There is no doubt that the heirs are corporal structures for the spiritual reality of the prophet, peace be upon him. For he is always the messenger, living or dead. He who obeys the master does actually obeys the messenger, for he is the spirit of his corporal structure. And he who obeys the messenger actually obeys God, for he is his locus of theophany. The messenger is therefore the point of manifestation of the real before it disappears by the word of the Most High. Whoever obeys the messenger has actually obeyed God. What you observe in the messenger is God's Most High. The messenger hides and the real remains. Just as, according to the Quranic text, the real remains when the messenger hides, so the messenger remains when the master hides from your perception, sorry, whereas the real always remains, for it is he who talks through the messenger. So, again, the master uh, is uh, a deputy, a messenger of the Mohammedan reality, which is the messenger, which is in itself only the mediation, only the modality of uh, of, of transmission, as, we, as we've seen, from coming from God, coming from the real uh, itself. So there are always two uh, relationships going on in the uh, disciple-master relationship for Ibn Arabi. There is an external and formal link with the master, and is, there is an internal and informal link directly with God through that external formal link with the master. Here is another uh, passage. The master, from the point of view of his body, is external to, to you, whereas the real that gathers is neither qualified by being external to you, nor by being internal to you, neither by being you, nor by not being you. It is different from the corporal statues of the master, for he is different and distinct from you. What is yours is not his. As for the real that gathers, everything that is yours is his, whereas everything that is his is not yours in a detailed manner, even though it is yours in a synthetic manner, and it manifests itself to you forever, thing after thing, in this world and in the, in the hereafter. So the spiritual education for Ibn Arabi only aims at realizing this non-formal presence uh, in, in himself, that the disciple should realize and, and uh, uh, clearly, uh, yeah, clearly found himself on the non-formal presence of God in himself and by himself. Uh, clear, uh, that, that passage is very clear, I think, on, on the matter. When he's unveiled, unveiled to you the fact that what you are looking for is nothing but your own essence, and that your essence never leaves you, for it is you, your enthusiasm, your himma, is not attached to something other than yourself anymore. So that is the, the accomplishment of the process of spiritual education, to find uh, the, the, the mediation, the presence of the master, the presence of the Mohammedan reality, the presence of God in oneself. To realize uh, uh, by arriving at that, uh, uh, at that fact that every person and everything that speaks 
to us is actually a master. That's why even uh, a fraud master, as uh, as I said as I said earlier, even a fraud master is actually a master, a, a true a true master. So now let's have a look finally uh, at that notion of imaginary master. What is then the imaginary master? So I I I've chosen to to translate al-mutawahham by imaginary, even though it, in Arabic it is a passive uh, a passive term. It's uh, the imaginated, or uh, I don't know how to, to to put it in English, but it's uh, it's something that is passive, and we will see that it's very important. The the, the image uh, here is not actively created by the the, the disciple, but comes. Uh, comes uh, to him from his actual and, and concrete master. But it's, we will see that it's really imaginary and not imaginal, uh, because it's, the term is mutawaham. It's very different from, uh, the notion of, of khayal, even though it will be, uh, associated as we will see. What's, what is interesting is that the term is, uh, is very much used in the in the kitab El Ajwiba. Uh, it is uh, as we we've seen. It is used to describe the, the, the even the very context of the work, but it's it's used through all the the text. Uh, but it's absent from the futuhat, absent from the fusus, and even uh, from uh, work on the topic as the kitab uh, kitab El Amr El Muhkam. So here, um, it's as the peculiar context of the kitab El Ajwiba gave to Ibn Arabi the occasion to formulate uh, in great details, as we will see, that doctrine, that notion of the imaginary master that seems uh, very, very important for him. And we will see that he considers it a, as a, a central element of the master-disciple relationship. But yet it is, men it is not mentioned uh, elsewhere, to, to my knowledge. The, the, the notion of mutawaham, of imaginary, is defined in the Futuhat as what has no real and concrete existence. For example, uh, in, the, uh, in the passage, the passage I, I quote here, uh, it talks, Ibn Arabi talks about time. Time is something that, uh, that exists for us, that we can uh, imagine, but that has no real and concrete existence. But it has an existence in imagination, it has a, it has a wujud khayali mutawaham. Here he associates between between the two. But we see that it's different from the the, the khayal as alam uh, al-mithal and so on, uh, the, as world of the forms of the images. Uh, it is um, it's close, but it's it yet another another term, another aspect of the of the matter. What is very important is that for Ibn Arabi, the imaginary master is always correlated to the concrete master. It is something that is directly related to a concrete uh, master for the disciple. That master in your imagination, and here he uses uh, khayal, uh, is the shadow of your master on the outside. The imaginary master is not the product of the disciple's imagination but one of the practical modalities of the influence of the master on the disciple, as we, as we will see. And the, therefore, 
the, the imaginary master is a modality of spiritual education itself for Ibn Arabi and a very uh, important one. Here is a, uh, a passage from the Kitab al-Ashriba. It is part of the belief of the disciple that through his enthusiasm, through his himma, the master acts in a way that does not require an expression by the tongue. His talk is rather by the inward, by the tongue of the invisible, and it is necessarily so. The master is actually for him closer to him than himself. And that is not for, not, nothing other than the master that is in his thought, in his heart. Here. There is between the disciple, I mean the heart of the disciple, and the master, a very thin bond that is stretched. It is the rope through which he is connected to him and through which he attracts the disciple to him. It is an image here, a missile, of the rope of God to which he, order us, he ordered us to cling. So we see again that the link between the believer on the Sufi path and God, the, the famous rope, uh, the rope of God, the, the, the link between that disciple uh, and uh, his master is an image of, uh, is a modality, uh, in other words, of the rope uh, of God. So we've seen that um, that imaginary master is coming, is an image, a presence from the concrete master. It is not something that is just a product of the imagination of the disciple, yet the disciple has an active role in the emergence of the uh, imaginary master in himself. That imaginary master emerges from his sincere trust, from his sitq in the master, uh, as we've seen uh, about the the the, the fraud master I, I mentioned. The uh, yeah the, the foundation of the, the relationship is the sincere trust, and not the quality of the master. Himself. That's why he, he can be again an alienated, uh, uh, crazy in love, etc. That's not the that's not the issue. The issue is the sincere trust of the disciple. As Ibn Arabi quotes about that, uh, the famous hadith: "I am such that my servant forms an, op an opinion of me, so let him have a good opinion of me." And he says the same is true with the master. Again, as uh, uh, as our relation with God is uh, depending of our opinion about God, our relation with God through the master, and then our relation with the master is uh, depending on our uh, opinion of the master. So the imaginary master, in, in other words, comes from the awareness of the informal presence of God uh, in which and through which it emerges in the disciple. Here is another quote. The search for the intervention of that master which is in your imagination and who is the shadow of your master on the outside happens by God. In other words, take God as mediator between you and him for what you seek for, uh, from him. Here again, Ibn Arabi is... Uh, Yes, it's uh, reversing the usual uh, relation between the, the master and God. It is through God that we have 
uh, a relation with uh, the, the master. It is through God that the, the imaginary master emerges in us as an image of our concrete master. Ibn Arabi also draws a parallel between that imaginary master and, of course, the, the, the notion of ihsan, of doing uh, the beautiful or uh, of excellence, and the, 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 the famous hadith, Jibril, uh, the hadith of, of Gabriel. There is something about which I warn you, says Ibn Arabi, that is that you have a master in the outside, while his image that is in yourself comes from him through your union with him, and the fact that your essence is permeated with him. You thus see your master outside of you in his image, which is you, just at his, just as it has been reported, serve God as if you serve him. You have thus been, been commanded to imagine him before your eyes in your devo de devotion to him. So that effort to to imagine the presence uh, of God uh, in every uh, act of devotion, in every prayer, etc., uh, is exactly the same effort that we have to uh, to make, to produce the, and to help, uh, uh, rather, to help producing by the master the uh, image, uh, his image, the imaginary image uh, in uh, in us, the, Im the presence of the imaginary master in us. So the image uh, of the imaginary master is one of the modalities of God's manifestation that is always renewed in the heart of the disciple at every instant. As we know that the, the tajalli of God, the manifestation, the presence, uh, the appearing, the, the disclosure of God is always renewed, so is the presence of the master and of the imaginary, imaginary master in us. Here is a, a, a quote. Know first of all that when the disciple sincerely trusts the master, God places for him an image of the master within himself. It is this image which he contemplates and which, and which takes hold of him to the extent that he says, this is the master. He does not say, it is, if, it is as if it were him, but he says, it is him. And so it goes. So it is with the imaginary master who is present in his imagination as with the believer who prays when he converses with God in his Qibla. If God inspires the original master outside with the knowledge of what concerns you, then he knows the question and he acts, he acts upon this imaginary master whom you contemplate by providing the answer to that question. Indeed, this master within yourself is to your external master as the shadow is to the person. It is therefore the shadow of your master. Devote yourself to it. He has been constituted in you only by the light of your, of your sincere trust. And this extends into your nature by the divine light which comes from him and is, is in you because of your faith in your master. This happens much to the truthful disciples. So for Ibn Arabi, the imaginary master is even more intimate to the disciple than the concrete master because it's uh, it's of mixed origin. 
it's uh, it's parts of the disciple and parts uh, of the of the concrete master. It is in fact uh, finally the interpreter, the tarjuman of the concrete master. That is, and uh, someone that's uh, from the disciple is able to something that is able to interpret to be the tarjuman of the concrete master in the disciple. So since any message, any information coming from the real through the, medi- the medi- mediation of the concrete master is received by the, the, the disciple according to the language of that interpreter, that is according to the imaginary master, the imaginary master is therefore more useful to the disciple than the concrete master. That's an affirmation of Ibn Arabi saying that as is the interpreter, Darjuman, uh, without him, you cannot understand anything coming from the master. It doesn't, uh, yeah, uh, there is no use for a concrete master unless you have a proper interpreter capable of translating for you, uh, interpreting for you the, the informations coming from the master. But the disciple still needs to discern between the two. The problem is when uh, he is not able to discern what is the, the coming from the imaginary master, what is coming from the interpretation, uh, from the translation in himself, and what is coming from the actual concrete master. And we've seen that is the, the context uh, here of the whole book, and that is why Yusuf is coming to Ibn Arabi uh, asking for uh, for his advice. And, and here again, uh, as usual, I want to say, it is the metaphysical perspective from which the disciple sees his master that enables him to put everything in its place. Uh, uh, and that place uh, for, uh, for Ibn Arabi, as we've seen, is the in divinity's place, to put everything back in God. Here we have uh, a, a longer quote that uh, summarizes, uh, I think, the, the, whole, the whole thing perfectly. When the external master wants and inspires you, he does so from a knowledge and a spiritual perception that is more useful and complete as far as you're concerned. When the imaginary master wants and inspires you, it is you who inspire yourself, and it is you who are the locus of suspicion. You may fall right, or you may fall wrong. You must therefore know how to distinguish between the two teachers. Although you do not need an instrument for the inspiration from the external master, and in fact, you must accept what comes from him by submitting Musliman, by being a Muslim uh, towards the master, because the master is God, as, as we've seen. If you do not know the meaning for the inspiration from the imaginary master, you need an instrument. Thus, you must wait before accepting what comes from him, what comes from the imaginary master, until the instrument testifies in his favor. Since he is yourself and he is not the master whom you follow. He is thus, in this matter, the same as the deity believed, believed in, al-ilah al-mu'taqad. 
For you need, in the case of the deity believed in, the instrument of the revealed law, which has been revealed to you and which has been instituted by the deity who cannot be delimited by any belief to the exclusion of another. That is, the real, the real one who gathers, al-haq al-jamir. As for the one in belief, al-mu'taqad, the ilah al-mu'taqad, it is the real through which creation takes place, the famous al-haq al-mahlubi, on which the creator in its creaturely state is founded. The real that gathers has thus created it through that real through which the creation that is in it takes place. Thus, it is the gathering real that is the true independent of the worlds. God is described in the Quran. While the real through which creation takes place is the one who possesses the name that the existence seeks. He is therefore the creator, the Lord, the mighty, the provider, the one who gives life, the one who gives death, the one who exalts, the one who demeans, the one who precedes, the one who succeeds, the first, the last, the apparent, the hidden. As for the will one who gathers, it is the most holy one, the one who hears, the one who sees, the one who knows, and other similar names. Thus, he who hears, he who sees, and he who knows are common to the real that gathers and the real through which creation takes place, which is the real of belief. Here the al-haq al-i'atiqadi. While the names, he who wills and the mighty one, are specific to the real of belief. So understand. So here, what, what is very interesting is that Ibn Arabi is uh, drawing a clear parallel between the relation between the imaginary, imaginary master and the concrete master, and uh, in the other, on the other hand, uh, the God as uh, the real al-haq uh, without any condition, uh, and al-haq al-mahlubi, the, the, the God as creator, God as, as divinity, as deity. And, and so the, the end of the, of the passage, no one understands what we are saying, except the one who knows the distinguishing criterion between the two masters. So here, Ibn Arabi is clearly affirming that as we know uh, the master through God, and as we, we can distinguish, as we've seen, between the imaginary master and the concrete master through our knowledge of God, the other way around, we can only distinguish uh, between uh, the between gods and between uh, the real, between the the gods of of the belief and uh, the absolute and real gods, if we can discern and if we can distinguish between the imaginary master and the concrete master, it's a clearly uh, again an, uh, a notion that I really love and worked on a, a clearly correlative uh, relationship, and we are uh, in. Uh, real uh, circle relationship uh, uh, as that of, of higher of uh, perplexity. So Ibn Arabi says, again, no one understands what we are saying except the one who knows the distinguishing criterion between the two masters, the external master and the imaginary master. The external master, though not the disciple himself, is the disciple himself in one aspect. 
He is part of the whole of what the disciple is, and the disciple is part of the master in its totality. Each of the two is the other self. The gathering will is in the creation, but the creation is not in him. Whereas the real of belief is in the creation, and the creation is in him, as the outer master. This is the criterion of uh, distinction. What, what is farib, what is distinguishing between uh, the two, the, yeah, the two uh, notions of God and the two masters. So let's uh, come to some conclusions here. We, we see that the notion of imaginary master is, uh, for Ibn Arabi, very central, not only to understand the, the, the master-disciple relationship and the whole process of spiritual education, but apparently it's also uh, very um, important and central to understand the whole theological and meta metaphysical perspective that's, that Ibn Arabi is presenting. And we've seen from the introduction and from the context that that notion of imaginary master is probably explaining the whole purpose of the Kitab al-Ajriba, the whole purpose of, of the book. Ibn Arabi is explaining the intricacy uh, by commenting on every sentence uh, presented by Yusuf, is explaining the intricacy between the imaginary Ali and uh, Yusuf, who is receiving and living that relationship. Uh, and he formulates from that, uh, that for and from that explanation, a whole doctrine actually of what is an imaginary master and why it is so important. We see though, so that the imaginary master is an important part. And maybe if we take it seriously, maybe the most important part of the master disciple relationship for Ibn Arabi as, uh, as we've seen, the, the imaginary master is the, interpreter, the translator that enables us to understand what comes from the master. So it's, uh, it's the key element of the master-disciple relationship for him. So the Kitab al-Ajwiba in its entirety, because it is the locus of expression of that notion of uh, imaginary master, although it is non-systematic and very uh, peculiar work on a lot of aspects, is an essential contribution to understand Ibn Arabi's uh, view on the matter, uh, I, I think. And finally, the imaginary master and the indivinous uh, perspective illustrate how the master-disciple relationship is paradoxically engaging the disciple, the disciple in a process of radical emancipation for Ibn Arabi. That is that actually it is through the sincere attachment to the concrete master, as we've seen, that the imaginary master can emerge and enable us uh, to, uh, to, to be free uh, from uh, the, 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 the needs of the, the external and concrete master. It is a process of unveiling and detachment from everything other than the real, because at the end, everything is a master. But in order to arrive uh, at that at that stage, we need to to sincerely 
uh, stick and, add, uh, and and cling to a to a concrete master in in order for us to uh, receive from from him the imaginary master that will interpret translate uh, the information coming from him and and then therefore coming from the Muhammadan reality and therefore coming from God. And uh, I will finish by that beautiful sentence from Ibn Arabi uh, that somehow clearly alludes to what is uh, to be al-Sheikh al-Akbar, what is to be uh, the greatest master. Uh, he says that the greatest of the, of the master, the greatest are those who show the disciples the way to take from God in everything. Thank you.